Welcome to the podcast about two good friends sharing stories to surprise and delight each other. I'm Courtney Farrell. And I'm Mason New. And this is I Got One For You. Hey, everybody. How are you? It's I Got One For You, and this is Mason New. And Courtney Farrell, and we're back again this week with another episode. Thrilled to be back, by the way. Thrilled. Hey, Mason, I got one for you. So I was watching the Super Bowl, and or maybe it was a UVA basketball game. It doesn't matter. Maybe both. But the commercials that come on you know, during this one sporting event, they were a lot of them were commercials for a restaurant I have never been to. I think it's a fast food restaurant called Zaxby's. Uh-huh. And I'm sure it's a fine establishment. I, I never wanna, been. Me neither. Seen them. Never, never been. I have seen on the commercial what they serve, and one was a, a, a fish, a fish sandwich served. Oh, let me see if I get this right. Was it a fish sandwich? No. This the combination of things that came: fish sandwich with macaroni and cheese and fries. I don't know. Ooh. Just for me, it didn't. Ooh. It didn't suit. So it yeah. got me thinking about food. Food, yeah. And how important food is to me. I mean, I love food. Before meals, sometimes I break out in song because I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I could I mark my days not by time but by when we get to eat again. It's <laughs> it's a big deal for me food, and I I I like what I like. I always tell my husband this when I don't eat something he's served me. It's like you know what I like what I like. I mm-hmm. like the way food combines together. That movie Ratatouille spoke to me. I love that movie. I love that movie. But the, mm. I, I I am him. I, that little that little rat. I just. I, I think it food needs to be paired well together. I liked the whole book and musical Oliver. You know, food, glorious food, hot sausage and mustard. <laughs> when we're in the mood, cold jelly and custard, you know. Right. I just, yeah. it Very has to do with food. Yeah. I'm into it. I, I think it's our family's love language. I don't know what the love languages are, but if one of them isn't food, it should be. Mm-hmm. But it's how we show love in our family is by feeding one another mm-hmm. and feeding one another well. How the food looks on the plate, which plate you chose mm-hmm. to eat the food on. It's never eaten standing up in front of a television. It's always sitting down. Have you always felt like this about food? I, I mean, even as a kid. I, I think so. I think yeah. it's just the way I was raised. My, my mother worked her whole life, and there's not one night I can remember that she didn't cook a, a homemade, well-balanced meal for wow. us. And we didn't eat till 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. Even as a young young <laughs> child, we just we right. ate late, and we sat around for an hour when we ate. Like, you were in you were in it sure. when we ate. But, um, yeah, I think I've always had. Do you have a relationship with food? Or what is your relationship with food? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I love it. I love to eat. I love well-prepared meals. I am not a great cook myself, mainly because I'm not very good at laying everything out ahead of time and sort of planning through it. But I do have a big green egg. Uh, and if I have an excuse to cook something, barbecue, or, you know, pork butt or brisket or something like that, where you just spend a lot of time on it, I really do like that. So now for those of for the for the unwashed out there, myself included, what is a big green egg? Okay, so that is it, it's a it's a grill, it's a ceramic grill that works like an oven, 
So you put, okay. it's all charcoal. It's not gas or anything like that. And you can cook, you can cook stuff at, you know, 700, 800 degrees, or you can cook at, uh, at 200 degrees for multiple hours, which is what you would do for a uh, pork. I would think that at 700 degrees, things would just burst into flame. Um, I had that happen to me once. Did you? <laughs> but you can you can cook a steak like you can, you know you can when you cook a steak properly, you can get it like really hot and it's not cooked for very long. That's that's the advantage of that wow. machine. Anyway, so but my relationship to answer your question, my relationship with food. I mean, I my mother cooked at home. I we did not sit down. It sounds like and have the the. Uh, lavish pr- preparation and dinner conversation we also ate at five o'clock so you know I, think see, like, I, I don't understand this i i don't actually understand how anyone can get table i'm sorry get food on the table at five or six o'clock it's an impossibility that's called lunch to me if yeah. you're eating at five <laughs> you're just getting a late lunch well and to be fair you know you work your mom worked yeah. my mom stayed at home so she she did have more time to be able to prepare but i i do have one story i got one for you though because i so my mother was a good cook not great but good you know and so i i learned a few tricks from her and and everything was with her was very much about approximations so like <laughs> not following recipes specifically more sort of generally following. She was her. an artist. <laughs> yeah, she not yes, a scientist, that's an right. artist. That's right. Got it. So anyway, so one of the things that she used to make, she called French chicken. Okay. Uh, which you know, would she speak French to it when she made it? No. Oh, bonjour, <laughs> le poulet. No. <laughs> but I was taking French, so I was oh uh, le poulet français. And she's oh. like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Well, anyway, and and quite frankly, I, I the only thing I really remember was you sautéed onions and and apples and butter and then you mm. put the you, you put um flour around the uh chicken you know cut up chicken strips or whatever and you sort of mixed it all in there and, and i mean it's fine it was good you know it wasn't anything spectacular but i loved it as a kid and you probably remember this when you're a kid and you're growing you just just shoveling the food in you know so anyway but i i worked the summer after my senior year in high school I moved down to the Outer Banks the beach right place you're familiar with and I worked at Duckwoods Country Club and as a waiter okay and so and it was just anyway and and so um but you learn a lot being a waiter I, I gotta believe I mean that's some that's hard work there are two jobs that I think I've learned more from one was working construction and one was working in a in a professional commercial kitchen where you're where you're a waiter and then you see everything that's going on. I mean, it was a great life lesson for for employment. So anybody out there, if you've got kids, try to encourage them to work in a kitchen or work construction or both because you just you you see all kinds of things. So this is a complete aside as as a young person. And I mean, like, you know, my 20s. I often, you know, I'd meet people who worked in those two industries, and they really did learn an incredible mu- amount. And I'd always think to myself, should I go do that? And then I think, no, I'm, I'm Ann Page's daughter. I have been through that <laughs> rat line. I have done both of those I've and done more. Them. 
<laughs> but so either you'd just be a really, really absurdly strict parent with very, very high standards that no human can meet, or you just go be a waiter and work in construction. <laughs> Those are your three options, okay. parents. So, okay, so there you go. For all of our young parents out there, you, you have a choice. <laughs> you do. You do have a choice. <laughs> you have a choice. Extremely strict and impossible, or you just let your kids go work in a, in a kitchen. Anyway, the, the, but I, I learned a lot about how businesses operate with you know a, a, a restaurant and all of the, the challenges of that. But what was most funny about working there was the the manager, um, and I do not remember her name, and the head chef cook, and I don't remember her name, but they were together. And ah. they lived together. And this was before same-sex marriage was allowed, but they might as well have been married. Okay. Right? And, and they were wonderful people to me, but they were very different personalities. And, and the manager, you know, as the way most managers are, they're sort of, they have to deal with the clientele and they have to deal with the employees. And, you know, she had a lot of the social skills and the cook was just, was dealing with the people who just got out of prison who were washing the dishes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So and, and and so she was she was tough. And um anyway, but I one day asked them if I could cook them a meal. Come on. Yeah, and 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 what was funny is that because they were married, well, they weren't married, but they were living together. You sort of got a gauge on how your day was going to go depending on the mood that they were in when they walked in. So, like, if they were in a good mood and they were talking to each other and everything, it's like, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be calm. And if they were, if they'd had a, a an a f- argument, right, then it was going to be a fractious it was, day. It was, was going to be tough. Anyway, so one day they came in, and I, I'm pretty sure they were probably pretty upset with each other, and. Uh, Anyhow, I uh, I said, well, can I cook you all a meal? And they said, sure. So I got in, you know, I got in the commercial kitchen, which is not like a kitchen in your home, and I cooked them the poulet français. Oh, come on! Did you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and and the 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 head chef actually liked it. She was like, maybe we should put this on the menu. And of course, that never happened. But anyway, it was. So you're kind of a professional. You're kind of like you're you're one step under cookbook. <laughs> Yeah. I feel a I feel a cookbook coming. Cookbook, Mason's, Mason's news. cookbook. One, One recipe. recipe. <laughs> oh, well, I love the idea of cooking for the for the cooks. That's that's really that's really clever. And and um, you know, I was 18 years old, and they were, you know, they were always giving me a hard time because I'd gone to a fancy school and I was going to college and all that stuff. But then you know, then I got in there and got to chat with them about how they do what they do and so I, I i have to tell any spouses that work together are in a category of their own as far as i'm concerned I, I don't understand how you can be married to someone and run a business with them i think that would be uh, and there are a fair number of people who they can are, do that they, they they seem happy which yep. i i don't understand wordy and i that was part of our marriage vows it's like you will I, I marry you for life, but not for lunch. You know, you mm-hmm, will go mm-hmm. away from the house for part of the day. So will I. <laughs> um, I actually, my mom used to say to us growing up, when, 
around the idea of cooking is she'd say, it takes more than good loving to keep a man at home. <laughs> and so I always had this in my mind, like, I gotta, uh -huh. I gotta learn how to cook. Uh -huh. I don't want someone running off on me just because I, you know, make a bad chicken. You know, I gotta get in there. I gotta do some more than just boiling water. And so, w what is your favorite thing to cook? Ah, I knew you were gonna ask me that. Uh, so my right now, my favorite thing, and it's pretty easy to do once you kind of get the pattern down. But I like to go get a whole fryer, like a whole chicken, mm -hmm. and I bring it home. I clean it out, pat it dry with some paper towels in its tummy area. I shove in butter. Salt, um, a rosemary, lemon, and some onion. Okay. Lots of butter. Lots of Lots. salt. Okay, that's important. Julia and, Child. Yeah, said, thank you very much. When you're when you're out of butter, you just <laughs> use heavy cream. <laughs> you got it. So then you take an iron skillet and put some butter in that, and then mm -hmm. fry it up on all four sides, just so it's crisp and you know yep. that skin's going to be good. And then take that and put it into a a Pyrex dish. And in the Pyrex dish, you have two full onions sliced up. Just nice and thin. And then I take an entire head of garlic and I peel that and just put the whole heads of garlic in there too. Ooh, that and some good. carrots. And then I put it in the oven at 350 for about an hour and 45 minutes. And when it comes out, I've got the perfect chicken. But I also have these onions, garlic, oh, and it's yes. been cooking in the chicken juice. Yes, oh, yes. That's so good. And then I have like a little tomato, basil, and burrata with that with some tarragon. Um, like vinaigrette that I make, not like, but tarragon vinaigrette that I make. And then if I'm really feeling fancy, I'll throw in some cream spinach with that and some rice. And that right there makes you swallow your tongue over and over <laughs> and over again. And then afterwards, I take, I pick the chicken clean, I put it into a pot, uh, I put some celery in there, pour make some, stock. What, make stock. Yeah. And then yeah, I've got the stock, too. you know, for whatever the next next meal is. But so that's my it, idea of having If it. I have a one recipe cookbook, I'm hearing uh, a cooking podcast in your there, in your there future, it is. <laughs> but I'm not going to be the I'm no. not going to be the co-host for so that one. Here's the hardest part for me. So, it's relentless. Supper is relentless. It's every single night, and not only do you have to think it up what you're going to have, you got to go procure the items that you sure, need. Sure, right. Then, if you're not exhausted, you got to come home and you got to cook them. Then you got to you got to have the meal and the energy for the meal and then you got to clean it all up and to mm -hmm. me that, that that process night after night after night is the reason why whatever i don't do in life i'm just going to say it was because of suppers if i mm -hmm. hadn't done suppers right. i could have published that book if i hadn't <laughs> had suppers i could have cleaned that attic if i hadn't have had to make supper my third child would actually be a decent human being you know like there it is there's my lifelong excuse well, we, we have a rule in our house if you cook you don't clean I've tried to institute this rule in our house, too. Yeah. I've done even things like leave it there and go up to bed, and it sometimes works. <laughs> I'm just saying, the, the rule isn't completely followed. I think I need to get a ticket book, you know, and start, start you know, issuing tickets or something over the, over the stuff that's <laughs> left behind. Parking tickets, yeah. dinner cleaning tickets or whatever. So what's Thanksgiving for you? So I think for, for us, Thanksgiving is a really, really big deal. Centered around food, of course. Yes, I love Thanksgiving. Favorite holiday. Um, have always loved it. And we we do, you know, what most people do. Um, as of late, um, I used to fry a turkey, and then we'd also bake one. Now we bake two, one on the grill, one in the oven. We always have oysters. Really? Yes. So you like you like oysters? <clears throat> love oysters. Explain to me 
a love for I understand I understand tolerating oysters. I understand pretending you like oysters because you're young and there's a cute boy at an oyster bar <laughs> having an oyster, and so you just pretend like you also love oysters. I don't actually understand really loving oysters. You put them in your mouth, they slide down your throat. The cooked oysters are probably what they will serve me in hell if I don't behave as a human <laughs> being on earth. And stewed oysters are the, the like the lowest level of, <laughs> of eating experience as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I... You know, I don't know. I it, it seems like this is a topic about food that really elicits a lot of opinion about oysters in particular. And the first time I had one that I can remember was down in New Orleans. And I, I remember just I was with someone, a friend of mine from college, I believe we were down there, and he's like, here, have this oyster and put a little lemon in it or whatever. And I just, it was like, this fireworks went off in my mouth. I mean, so, I remember explicitly where I was the first time I had an oyster. Okay, so I do too. And it was at, it was down at a sort of a school fair. And that was true. There were some really cute fellows who were having oysters. And I just thought, all right, Court, sometimes you got to do things for love. Get in there. <laughs> and I, I, I remember tolerating it. I mean, I remember the oyster disappearing from my mouth and thinking, well, I did that, but I must be missing some taste buds. That's what I'm getting from that. You have taste buds that react to oyster and that I didn't get. I don't know. Maybe, maybe so. I mean, my favorite thing, one of my favorite things is a dozen oysters raw and either a very light red wine or a white wine to go with it. I mean, it is... That's I, it for, if, you're salivating, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Get a napkin over there. It's so <laughs> so. My my, I think my parents have tongues that are different than mine. Like I think their tongues actually were just for whatever reason the Punnett square didn't work out. I must have gotten like a <laughs> great square. great grandfather's tongue because they can eat things that that even the thought of make my my hair curl. Let me give you a couple. One is. Nothing better than something called a rush special. A rush special is where you take one of those jars of oysters with the red top. You know, it's yeah. a glass jar, yep. red yep. top. Yep. You Cork. pour that out into a iron skillet and you cook them. You stew them. Uh-huh. There may be some ham thrown in there. Not sure. Then you make yourself some corn cakes. All right, these are just pancakes made with cornmeal. They're very thin. You put those corn cakes on a plate. I'm with them up to that point. Then you take the stewed tomatoes with the ham and you pour that over the corn cakes in some horrible <laughs> thing to do to a corn cake. It's like a murder of a corn cake. You put and then then you eat it and you say, Mmm, I love a rush special the whole time. Rush, spe- what rush is that? special. Where, where does that name come I from? I don't know. I, I I need to ask. I think mm. someplace they, they used to order it. Another one. Here's another one. My mother loves fish row. Loves it. We served it to us as children. Mmm, mm. what's for dinner? Mmm, fish row. Sh- like shad Shad row. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the fish yeah. eggs. Yeah. That's actually a sack of fish eggs that come yeah. out of the, the shad. And I feel, to be honest, I feel like, you remember the Adams family where they had that daughter who didn't look like them? Sometimes yeah. <laughs> when we eat meals, I feel like maybe I'm from another family or something because who could find that enjoyable? You you cook that, also you fry that in an iron skillet and then serve it. The only thing worse than hot shad row is cold shad row, and I would know because we had a rule <laughs> at our family growing up. 
which wasn't, you know, everyone take one bite. And if you don't mm-hmm. like it, you don't have to. Nope, not Ann Page. You will eat everything on your plate. <laughs> period. End of story. No negotiations. And my mother's, uh, she would be an incredible uh, hostage talker, whatever. The, what are they called? A the, negotiator? Nego- yeah, hostage negotiator. Yeah, because th- she, she doesn't give up. She is right there. I could not wait her hours. I would sit at the table. She was there. I I try things like I figured out that if you go to the trash can, you take trash out. You put the napkin of the stuff that you spit out or that you just didn't want that you'd snuck into your napkin. You put the trash back on. She got wise to that. She'd come in and say, oh, you finished already? Open the trash can. Take the stuff off. No take way. The na- oh, no. Yeah. Take out of the that trash can, napkin back on. right, right back, back onto my oh. plate. And the only the only way I feel as though we might be equal is that I then figured out that if I just had her leave the room at some point during the two hour standoff, that I could sneak the food into a napkin and put it behind the radiator, <laughs> which was in the back part of the kitchen that stairwell that led up to the guest room. So I did this for years. Napkins filled with oh, bites no. of fish roe, oh, no. chicken bones, and <laughs> you know, and peas, beans. I couldn't stand these. Anyway, put it all back there. And anyway, we had finally we had this horrible cricket problem. My entire childhood, <laughs> that chirping in our house. No way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because of the food. Because of the food. So someone came to fix our radiators one time, and he, he laid it all out. This like you know boneyard of. <laughs> All that I had uh, Miss Page, I think we got a problem here. I think I, know, I think I know what your cricket problem is. Yeah, it's your daughter. All right, what? <laughs> okay, all right. Now, on that note, <laughs> okay, I mean, this is incredible. All right, so the the standoff you're describing. Yes. What is one food that you were just absolutely determined? To have the standoff, or like, there's no way I'm gonna eat that. Oh, it's fish rows and peas. The, the fish yeah. row and peas were my two. I mean, there were other things, but those were the. But the, I lost. I just want to be very, uh-huh. very clear. There is actually a gag reflex that occurs when you do not want to eat something. That didn't bother my mother either. You do that all you, she always acted like I did it on purpose. That was the one. That's the part that I didn't understand. Like, come on, weren't you a child? <laughs> Don't you know about this? This is part of childhood. You like candy, gag reflex for things you don't want. This is not hard. But she'd give me that look like, how dare you gag at my table? <laughs> Woo! So I have a different rule. Just, just try it. Just take a bite of yeah. it. I'm not going to make you I'm not gonna make you do that. I don't want crickets. Yeah. You know, children will find a way. Well, I, well. <laughs> all right. I got one for you. Related, somewhat related. Now, uh, we didn't have, I didn't have that kind of situation in my home. Which is why you became a waiter and went into construction. I get it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Good point. Good point. All right, so there is one food that I do not like. Although I will admit now that maybe like when you're, I've decided that you become an adult when um, two things happen, which is, one, you learn that Santa Claus is not real. Like you're, what? Well, yeah. I mean, somewhat. Um, and then the other we'll is when circle you circle back st- to that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, that just blew my mind. We'll come back to that one. And then, and then, when you start to like soda water, 
That's what. That's <laughs> what <laughs> that's, no, no. And Altoids are an admission <laughs> of adulthood. Yeah. So that you know, if you eat Altoids, your childhood is over. And if you like, if you eat them and enjoy them, yeah. Right. Done. If you eat them and spit them out instantly, you still got a little life in you. <laughs> All right, but anyway, that so, but there, there. My point is that there is one food that I, I, I really detested for a long time, and I like it better now that I'm getting older. But I, and that is, and you're probably going to make fun of me about this, but that is beets. See, I don't get it. I don't understand the beet thing. I'm not. I'm not telling you that I love a beet. I don't love a beet, but I don't know that there's. I think it's just sort of like air. I like air. I like water. And beets are air and water. I don't I don't know, but I have a story okay. about beets. I don't know why I don't like them. I just don't. And anyway, Melissa, my wife, and I are dating, and um, we go down to visit her grandparents in Alexandria, Louisiana, as they would say. And her grandparents, um, they're grandparent names were judge and graham and they were the two of the most lovely people i've ever met in my life they were and so important to me but we were dating i mean i didn't know them very well at this time in fact i think this it wasn't the first time i met them but we flew down to go stay with them for a couple days and her grandparents were just very gentle wonderful people and also they were important people to my girlfriend at the time like she's she's they're very important so anyway so you know how how food is really also about the memory and the conversation mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so we sit down and and oh yes ma'am you know no ma'am yes you know doing all the the polite things that boyfriends do to make them impression pro- right. positive positive impressions and you know we're in our mid-20s and we hadn't talked about getting married yet but you know it, at that point we Right. It was things were getting serious, so I wanted to make a good impression. So you can guess where this is going. So uh, Graham uh, cooks one of her favorite meals to cook, <laughs> and she puts it down in front of me. And there were other things on the plate, but, but you don't remember them. <laughs> there is only one thing that I can see, which is this giant heap of beets. <laughs> uh, and and you're sitting there thinking. Is this girl worth it? <laughs> I, I I am looking down at this pile of beets, and I mean, in my memory, the pile is, you know, three pounds. Right. Exactly, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like it's it's. I'm looking. It's a there. mountain. You have to put on hiking shoes exactly. to get over. I'm it. gonna have to dig my way through this thing. It's an avalanche of beets that I've just gotten buried in, and I'm I'm looking down at it, and I look over at Melissa, and she knows I don't like beets, and she's just, like, smiling. Like, <laughs> she just knows. And I'll tell you one damn thing. I ate every single beet on that plate. <laughs> uh, do you like beets? Oh, yes, ma'am. I love these beets. These are the most delicious beets I've ever had. <laughs> and, and, and you meant that because you'd never had, really, after that one initial bite of deciding you didn't like it. Yeah. That's the best part when someone says, do you know, do you like this chili? Oh, it's the best chili uh, yeah, I've ever yeah. had. Never get... touched it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so so. My it's my grandmother used to do something with us when we go visit. She's a country woman. We go out into the country and we'd spend the night. It was the best because she instituted something called the midnight snack, and we would 
get in our pajamas, get ready for bed. We have our stories read to us. She would turn the light out, and a half an hour later, she would come back and wake us up. I'm not sure we oh. ever were really asleep, and she'd say, it's time for a midnight snack. Oh, And we'd go neat. down into the kitchen. She wore isotoner slippers and this blue <laughs> bathrobe made mm-hmm. out of wool. Mm-hmm. She'd go down to that old kitchen. It was freezing, and she'd get out the pet ice cream. I'd still remember mm-hmm. pet. Whenever mm-hmm. I see yep. pet to this day, I have this warm feeling. And we'd get a couple scoops of that, and she'd pour milk into a glass. There was no blender. It was just two scoops of ice cream and milk poured into a glass. And you got a spoon, and you stirred it up mm-hmm. and got to – got to have a midnight snack and as far as we were concerned it was midnight but that Uh that just forever in my mind (laughs) and i tried to institute something in my own family called uh sunday sundays where every sunday Mm -hmm. we would have oh that's a good sunday it was really it's great but then it's harder to do as parents it's easier to do it from a grandparent standpoint Uh, because by sunday you're it's the end of the weekend and you're so angry at all the things done and left undone that you're not really like the fact that Saturday's dinner is still not right. cleaned up <laughs> exactly. because no one's helped you. <laughs> Thank you. You got it. Full on. Well, I, um, my grandmother was very important to me, and I, I can remember we had, this, we had this piece of furniture down in the kitchen. So they, they had a modest, not like the modern-day kitchens that have all the latest and greatest. It was a, it was sure. a little pass-through room. It had a sink and a a stove that was one step up from a wood-burning stove. I mean, it was, you know, it was a a humble place. But there was a second room where there was a deep freeze and a piece of furniture called a pie safe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if anything more wonderful, except maybe Santa Claus, (laughs) as a pie safe. It is a piece of furniture designed to keep pies and cakes Safe. Safe. <laughs> That's what it is. It's 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 up on legs, so it's you know just like a, a a chest would be, right? It's got nice, sturdy, high legs, and then it's got these two doors that you can open up that have a plate glass window in the front mm-hmm. of it, so you can see inside. And mm-hmm. there are several shelves on the inside, and every shelf is filled with something. You know, like for instance, you might have a a mince meat pie in there, which just for the record is disgusting. But what the, the old are there oysters in it? Almost the old <laughs> folks would put they'd put meat in there and they would just feed it with alcohol for a couple months oh. before Christmas. So by the time you got it, it was just get you, you know, high. I guess if you ate it, I never touched it. But they she always would have an angel food cake in there, or an apple pie, Ooh. or a pecan pie, or a lemon chest pie. And it was just kept in this pie safe. Mm-hmm. So I got, she She died back in the 80, 88, I believe. And I've always thought about that pie safe. And I was thinking, I want to make that apple pie. I want to make the apple pie that she used to make, but I never had a recipe. Mm-hmm. So I decided a couple of Thanksgivings ago, a couple of falls ago, that I would do a my version of a nationwide search for my, I should call it a region-wide search for the recipe, my grandmother's apple pie recipe. So I, I, I hear, I got this just pieces of paper. You know, when you go to the, the coffee shops and someone's saying, you know, you know, free childcare, and mm-hmm. you just they have those little tablets at the, those little music pe- lessons, yeah, music tutoring, lessons. Thank you. Probably not uh, free childcare. Bad yeah. example. <laughs> <laughs> free free, chi- free child, just take this. Just, just take free, child, free child. You know, I'll come and like take <laughs> care of your kid for free. Do. <laughs> free strips of paper. So little strips of paper is what I'm trying to say. 
Anyway, I did one of these, and it said, I wrote on it, it said, Lost Grandmother's Apple Pie Recipe. I'm sure it sounds silly, but she's gone now, and that pie was my strongest connection to her. I was thinking that maybe your grandmother's recipe might be like hers. Won't you please share it with me? I'm hoping to find a close match for Thanksgiving. Oh, I love that. So I put this on. I traveled a lot right. when I was doing this. This is pre-COVID, and um, I got so many apple pie recipes from people. And the best part is, is that they sent reasons why it mattered to them. Oh. I mean, these recipes, these pe- people sent me the copies of their grandmother's cookbooks that had the stains of their thumbprints and when they were mm-hmm. cooking and the smudges and they just you, you you began to understand that these recipes were really links and connections to something yep. of the past. Yep. So I want to tell you about a couple of them that came back because it blew my mind. So one woman wrote me and said that her grandmother had lived in East Germany during World War II and she'd grown up there and then I mean, crazy story about the Russians coming to their house before the Americans oh, wow. during the liberation and the mm-hmm. things that went on. But before, the, ultimately, before the wall went up, they had to take everything that they could carry in a bag. That's all they could take and get out of East Germany. And they ended up coming to America. But the only things they could take were, I mean, it's very, very little bags they could carry over their shoulders. Mm-hmm. So one of the, things that they brought back was their family cookbook and oh. in it was this recipe oh, for an wow. apple fritter uh-huh. and the apple fritter she said whenever she eats it she can feel the passage of time fall away mm-hmm. and that this is the link that she can taste the same thing that her grandmother could taste mm. when she was young they didn't cook these recipes for 20 years that's how long it took for them to get to a place where they actually had the ingredients and the whatever. Oh, yeah, and so it's just such powerful stories. So, so, so someone sent that. Yes, that story. That recipe. And that that story. Re- oh, wow. So I wanted to read you a couple others. This was from someone. It says, "This is just a piece of paper with a recipe written on it, and at the top it has the the um, person's name, and it says this recipe is the best part of my dad's second wife." <laughs> <laughs> This says, um, Dear Apple Pie Recipe Seeker, my grandmother was German and didn't have specific Thanksgiving apple pie recipe, but here is her recipe for, oh, goodness, a German word, P-U-T-T-A-P-F-E-L. I'll go for it. Puttafel. What I'm going to go for it. I apologize to all of our German listeners. It's basically baked apples. Surely you will find some grandmotherly love from a different culture when you bake this. Cheers and enjoy. Oh. How lovely is that? And then this this one, this is such a beautiful piece of art that has been that rendered is, here. All right, so for everybody that is out there listening, this is this is this hand drawn, exquisitely beautiful design. I, I it's of actually it. it's of tomatoes but it's in black and white and she writes this she said shelvy feliciano's nana's green tomato pie a tale of two grandmothers so the story goes like this shelby and i worked side by side for a year 
Both of us had elderly grandmothers who were more or less homebound and loved nothing more than a visit from their granddaughters. Shelby came back from a visit and told me she'd made green tomato pie with her nana, one of her nana's most special recipes. As my grandmother, Granny Canny, loved fried green tomatoes, I thought I'd try it with her. So Shelby kindly came to my house and made the pie with my children, who gave it best apple pie ever grade. I then picked more green tomatoes from our garden and made a visit to make this pie for her. The smile on Granny Canny's face after she took a bite said it all. So from one grandmother to her granddaughter to another granddaughter to her grandmother, and now you enjoy. You never know that magic ingredient in your grandmother's recipe may not have been apples, but green tomatoes. (laughs) Is that just so cool? The last one I'll tell you about, and I I won't uh, read it, but I'll tell you. So someone, um, a woman actually named Britt Van Dusen, who I have found to be one of the most incredible artists, she took her grandmother's apple pie recipe she photocopied it and she cut it up from the original joy of cooking she cut it up into pieces and reassembled the pieces of the recipe to be a portrait of her oh. grandmother it oh. is stunning i have it hanging in my kitchen it is absolutely incredible so here the actual recipe has been cut up and reconfigured to look exactly like her her grandmother oh i love that so, it's, but just goes to show you this: these recipes mm-hmm. and these foods that we eat, and the smell of the food, and the way that we consume the food, really, I think, matters. And as we enter into this, not only get like you know too deep into the worlds that we all live, but as we reinvent meals and eat them on the fly, and throw a bar and a, you know squeeze yogurt into our children's hands as we whisk them into the car off to the next event Mm -hmm. you know what's lost yeah what's lost in that yeah i think that's true and and you know i i referenced earlier that you know we didn't sit down i think the way you did and um to have formal family meals certainly not every night and you know, there is something about it. I, I know that when we sit down as a family, things are better when we do it. And we just, you've got to make the time, you got to make the time for it. But it's, I found it really hard. So we, uh, we have years and years ago, I got to do a job with Kellogg's and they wanted to reinvent breakfast. And it was a whole idea. You get the on the go, what are we, we going to do to switch breakfast from being you sitting down at home with this idea of plenty of time to what actually happens, which I don't know what happens at your house. It is a Hail Mary here. I mean, I actually- <laughs> For breakfast. Yeah, you know, just for getting yeah. everyone out the door. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I will admit to opening the front door and throwing things out. You know, it's like just <laughs> getting things closer to the car. Do you know what I mean? I actually think cars should not have a glove box. What is a glove box in modern time? It should be a little cool refrigerator, right? A little place. Maybe, maybe even a little toaster oven. Like, wouldn't that make sense after all the things I've just said? But- it was it was fascinating to see what happens when you actually break breakfast down and try and put it back together. Anyway, well, we're running out of time, um, but knowing that you love poems, I did think that I would bring one to this conversation, and it's 
Well, I'm going to read the poem. It's by a poet named William Carlos Williams, whom I just adore his poetry. And I believe that I'm not, I cannot remember exactly when he was writing, but I want to say, do, are you familiar with his name? I'm not. Okay. William. So, William Car- Carlos Williams. And he was a doctor. They love the William name. They're like, you know what? <laughs> Williams is good, but wouldn't it be better if it were William Williams? Yeah, and, and also, let's throw in Carlos in there. <laughs> Just in the middle. that Just goes very well with William. <laughs> Straight out of, like, Anglo-Saxon, Williams, Williams. What what goes well with those 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 names from England? I know Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, great. whatever. It's a great name. It's a great name. He's a great poet. He was a doctor. I, I For all the listeners out there, if I get this wrong, forgive me. But I think he was writing in the in the before 1920 or sometime around 1920. And a lot of times he was writing poems based on what he saw when he was doing his his rounds. You know, this is back when doctors went to people's homes. Anyhow, so since it's Valentine's Day, I thought that I would read this poem, not for you romantically, but for you, because I think you'll understand the, f- the funniness of why I'm reading this on Valentine's Day. It's a very short poem. It's called This Is Just to Say. I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox, and which you were probably saving for breakfast. (laughs) Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet and so cold. (laughs) (laughs) And what's funny, what's funny is, I don't know if William Carlos Williams uh, decided that this was a funny poem, and I, I remember, you know, I used to teach this poem because the imagery is so vivid and it's and it's beautiful. But there was something about Valentine's Day, like thinking about this poem and it just popped into my head. <laughs> like I, was, I just took I just ate it, you know, and I'm, I don't know if that happens in your house. I opened the refrigerator and whatever it was I was saving is gone is gone yeah and in that moment is such a disappointing one when you were really looking forward <laughs> oh, to something big time. But what I love is I hope he delivered that poem in the spot where the plums were. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm God. going for the plums. Oh. It's like, actually, a poem instead. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna use that. That's good. I think that's really yeah, good. That's good. I do hide things. Do you hide things sometimes? When you get them at the store, do you hide things? You think Melissa hides things? Uh yes, I know she does. Right. Just she just says this, this, you're not getting this. You can yeah. have the rest of it, yeah. but you're not getting uh, yeah, this. Yeah. Um but usually she's hiding it from me, knowing that I'll find it <laughs> and eat it. <laughs> Not necessarily the kids, but anyway. Okay, so I am going to give to you um, the chicken recipe so that ah, you yes. can, I call it winner, 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 chicken dinner. And I, will, I have it written down. I'm going to give it to you so that you can cook it one night unannounced yep. for the family. I will do it. And then you'll have to come back on this this podcast and tell us how it went. Great idea. Right, but don't let people know where it came from. Don't say, you know, yeah, Courtney gave me this recipe. Right, right, You're just right. going to say, I don't know, I just felt like cooking something tonight. Right. Right? I will do that. And also, just as a reminder, this is also in our uh, concluding outro music, but we do have a email address, which is igotoneforya.gmail 
I'm sorry. I got one for you. Dot podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, don't forget the dot podcast. That's actually that's yeah. important if yeah. you want to get delivered the right yeah. place. So I got one for you. Dot podcast at gmail.com. And so if you have a recipe or a story about a recipe or a story where you had to eat something in front of your uh, grandparents in law to <laughs> make an impression, we would love to hear that story. So please, please send something in for us. And if, if we can, we'll try to make it, and then we'll talk about what it was like to make your recipe. I love it. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And share with any of your friends you think might enjoy being a part of this conversation. We'd also love to hear your thoughts and stories, so visit us at www.igotoneforya.com or email us directly at igotoneforya.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.